So we're starting a new series today. The series is called Essentials. And what we're doing for the next few weeks is we are walking through what is it that's essential for you to grow in your relationship with God? What is it that you need in your life? What is it that is required of you to be growing as a follower of Christ? How is it that we are to live into our mission here at Grace? What's our mission at Grace? We are... Man, it's always so iffy the first time. It's out there. I can hear it. But let's do it together. We are much better. So Mosaic, you know what that means. We've talked so much about it. We are going to be a racially diverse church. We are going to be an economically diverse church. We are going to be uh, male, female, old, young, black, white, rich, poor, and part of the diversity for us is we are a group of people that come from a variety of past religious experiences and background, and we come together under the banner of Christ as one church. It's what God has called this church to be. So we're a mosaic, but we're striving to live like Jesus. So this series really is the answer to that part of our mission statement. How are we to live more and more like Jesus? What's the role of the church? What's your role as an individual? What's the role of the Holy Spirit? How do we discover what God desires for us? How do we grow to be more and more like Christ? And this morning, I'm going to talk about a phrase. It's a phrase you've probably heard me use many times. As a matter of fact, it was already used uh, today in the service. You may not have caught it, um, but it's a common phrase we use around here. It's kind of a, a mantra that we have here at Grace, but this one three-letter phrase encapsulates what it means to follow God. As a matter of fact, if you were to ask me, what's the goal of the church? Why? What is the church? What is it you're trying to do in the lives of the people at Grace Community Church? I would sum it up with these three words. To hear and obey. Discipleship comes down to hear and obey. In the final analysis, your spiritual growth comes down to hear and obey. Our job as a church is to teach you to hear the voice of God in your own life, but also to inspire you to act out in a way that's, that, that is true to what you're hearing. In other words, we are here to help you to hear and obey. Some of you have entered into the Lenten season. Maybe you started last Wednesday. Maybe you're going to start tomorrow. Don't, don't know how that's all going to work for you. But if you're doing something for Lent, let's say you're fasting, or, or maybe you've decided you're going to do a different way of devotionals in the morning, or maybe it's a season of repentance for you, whatever you're doing for Lent, the reason you do that is to attune yourself to hear the voice of God in your, your life and to respond appropriately. When we sing on Sunday morning, we sing because it's an act of obedience, because the scriptures tell us, make a joyful noise unto the Lord, right? And to sing praises to God. So we do it out of obedience. But we also understand that when we sing, when, when we sing those words, a lot of time God uses those words those, that we're singing to speak to you. So we want to foster a place where you can hear the voice of God. When I teach the word of God, it's so that you can hear the voice of God. What we do at Grace is about hear and obey. So if you look in your bulletin, there's a card in there. Uh, that card, on one side of it, has our values as a church. Great things, good, good reading for you this week. If you want to just know what we value here at Grace, it's great. But the other side has something we call the six essentials. This will really be the thrust of what we talk about over the next six weeks, the six essentials. And I'm going to go through them real quick just so you have an idea of what they are, but I'm not going to spend much time with each one because we're going to be talking about it in the 
weeks ahead. So somebody comes to us and they say, how do I grow? Somebody comes to my office and say, I want to I become a better follower of Jesus. How do I grow? I would take them back to the six essentials and talk through each one of these in detail. We sat in a room at one time and we uh, imagined a person. We called the person Joe Grow. So this is Joe. Meet Joe. Everybody meet Joe. And if you, it, it's hard for you, you can call it Josephine. Um, but the idea was, what do we do as a church to help Joe grow? And the first thing that we found that as we talked about it is we realized that there is something powerful that happens in this room. That if you're going to grow as a follower of Christ, you need to gather together. You need to be part of the church. You will not grow if you do not have a regular, steady influence of a body of believers in your life. You have to gather together. Now, you may not, you may be visiting Grace. You may be your first time here. You may be at another church. What I'm telling you is you need to have a church home and you need to gather together. There's something that God does in the context of church. It's his design that helps you to grow. And part of gathering is to do it on a regular occasion. Here's the deal. It's not church to listen to a podcast. It's awesome. It is one of the great things we have in our, in our day and age that you can listen to podcasts, but that's not church. Listening to Christian music isn't church. Those are all very good things, but you need to gather. The other thing that you need to do is you need to connect. God has designed us to be in connection with one another. Tom talked about it just a minute ago, that he's found that, that one of the things he needs in his life to grow is to have this interconnection with people. God designed us to be in connection with one another in a smaller setting. So if all you do is come to grace, you're going to miss out on all that God has for you. You have to be part of a smaller group of people who are doing life together in such a way to encourage one another to, to hear one another, to confess to one another. All those one another scriptures in the Bible have to be lived out in some type of tighter community. So you gather, you connect, and you need to serve. Ephesians 2.10 says, You are God's workmanship, created in Christ Jesus to do a good work, which God prepared in advance for you to do. You know what that means? God made you to do something. God made you to actually do something. And as you learn what that thing is that God has made you to do, it will be a part of the catalyst to help you grow more and more and more. So we serve as a way of learning who we are. What are my gifts? What are my talents? What am I passionate about? What has God stirred in me? What has God made me to do? So you gather as a church, you connect with one another, you serve with one another, and you are called to be people of influence. God says, look, you are the light of the world. If you learn to share what God is doing in your life with other people, it'll be part of your spiritual growth. So you have influence and devotion. Devotion here is not devotions. That's an important part of it. Devotion is that your heart is fully devoted to God. The eyes of the Lord peek throughout the whole earth, looking for those whose hearts are fully devoted to him so he can show himself strong. So we learn to devote ourselves to God fully. And the last one is generosity. And here's the deal with generosity. Generosity is way more than just your money. When we talk about generosity, it's the idea of bringing everything that you have, everything that you have to bear for the kingdom. Everything, your gifts, your talents, your money, your family, your job, all of it is in play to advance the kingdom of God. That's what generosity is all about. So those are the six essentials. That's what we're going to talk through over the next few weeks in more detail. But here's what I want you to know. All of those exist as a way of helping you to hear and obey. 
I want to ask you a question, and I want you to be painfully honest with yourself. When you hear the word obey, does it make you uncomfortable? Yes. Good for you for being honest. Does it feel like almost like a dirty word? I, I actually named this talk that obey is not a, it's just another four-letter word, right? Does it sound oppressive? Does it sound confining? Does it sound restrictive? The word obey stirs something in us. For some of you, it just sounds boring, right? I don't know who wants to live a life like to, to obey. So, so what I want you to see this morning is that when God talks about obey, when we talk about hear and obey, it's something more than what your, your gut reaction to the word is. And that's what we want to pull out of the scriptures today. So grab your Bibles, turn to Luke, Matthew, Mark, Luke, fourth gospel. We're going to do Luke chapter 11. I'm also going to read from Luke chapter 6. So as you're turning through, if you want to put your bulletin in Luke chapter 6, I'm going to use two passages, one from 11, uh, one passage from 11, one passage from 6. And we're going to uh, kind of pull some things out of those two passages as a springboard for what God has for us this morning. I want to re just remind you, bring your Bibles with you, bring whatever you study at home. If you want to check in on Facebook or tweet or Instagram, whatever it is you do on social media, we encourage you to do that while you're here. We're going to use social media for the kingdom of God as much as we can. So Luke 11, I'm going to read verse 28. Now Jesus is teaching to the crowds here. He's teaching, and, and this woman yells out, blessed is the womb that bore you. She's basically saying, blessed is your mother, right? And so Jesus responds to her, and he responds to the, to the crowd with these words in verse 28. He says, blessed rather are those who hear the word of God and keep it. Blessed rather are those who hear and obey. Now turn to chapter 6. I'm going to read verse 46 through 49. Chapter 6, 46 through 49. Again, these are the words of Jesus. So first he says, blessed are those who hear the words of God and keep it. Right? In verse 6, Jesus says these words. He says, why do you call me Lord, Lord, and not do what I tell you? Everyone who comes to me and hears my word and does them, do you see hear and obey there? Everyone who comes to me and hears and obey, I will show you what he's like. He's like a man building a house who dug deep and laid a foundation on the rock. And when a flood arose, the stream broke against the house and could not shake it because it had been well built. But the one who hears and does not like a man who built a house on the ground without a foundation and the stream broke against it, immediately fell, and the ruin of that house was great. Or some translations say complete or total. It was a total wreck. So there's two things I want to pull from these two passages, two applications, if you will, two truths that we can pull from this. And the first is this, to hear and obey is to live under the blessing of God. To hear and obey is to live under the blessing of God. In Luke 11, he says, blessed rather are those who hear the word and keep it. But what does it mean to be blessed? Does it mean you get a shiny new car? Does it mean you get a bigger house? Does it mean you have a, a life with no problems or no distractions or anything like that? I don't think so because Jesus actually said, in this world, you will have troubles, but take heart, I've overcome the world. Right? So it's not about stuff. It's not about this life without any trials. Jesus says, blessed are you when you hear the word of God and you keep it. The word blessed in this passage is the exact same word 
blessed that Jesus uses in the Sermon on the Mount. And what does he say in the Sermon on the Mount? He says, blessed are you when you're persecuted, blessed are those who mourn, blessed are the meek, blessed are the hungry. None of these sound like a promise of good external things. It sounds like things are still difficult. So what does it then mean to be blessed? Well, the Greek word actually means, and this is a definition taken from a Bible dictionary, blessed. It means happy or blissful as described by a believer who is in an enviable or fortunate position from receiving God's provision or God's favor. Sometimes people say to me um, when I'm counseling them, um, and it's usually when they want to make a a bad decision, and they'll say these words, I hear it often, doesn't God want me to be happy? My marriage is terrible, and so I'm going to file for divorce, doesn't God want me to be happy? The answer is yes. God wants you to be happy. But he wants you to be obedient. There's a deeper happiness that God is is after, and you can't willfully do what God has told you not to do and still have this blessing that God has for you. So this this blessing, this inner happiness is, is something that's going on inside of you it's this it's this self-contained internal happiness that trumps listen to this it trumps all of your external circumstances god wants you to stay happy and he wants you to stay married god wants to do something in your innermost being that allows you to be happy blissful isn't that a cool word blissful in the midst of difficulties regardless of what's going on around you. It's this contentment, it's peace, it's an internal peace. It's this enviable, fortunate position from receiving God's provision or favor. Jesus says, blessed are you when you hear the words of God and you keep them. So the first thing is we live under the blessing of God. And the second thing that we can pull from this text is that when we hear and obey, we live with security. How many of us want more security in our lives? How many of you actually live with like a sense of pending due? Like you're just waiting for the shoe to drop. You're waiting for things to fall apart. That's just been a part of your life. And you're just sort of looking over your shoulder, waiting for things to unravel, right? Jesus says in Luke, everyone who comes to me, hears my words and does them. Everyone who hears and obeys is like a man building a house, dug a deep foundation, built it on the rock. The floods come, the streams break against it. The house can't be shaken shaken because it was well built. I want a solid foundation. I want for you to have a solid foundation. That when the storms come, and here's what the passage is saying, the storm's going to come. You can't really avoid hard times. The question is, is your faith going to hold up? Is your person going to hold up? Is your character going to hold up? Have you put enough of a foundation down because you've heard the word of God and you've put it into play in an appropriate way, your foundation is deep, are you going to be able to hold up when the storm comes? What I want you to notice from both of these passages, from the word blessing and from the the conversation about the the house being built, in both both of these instances, it's this picture of God's blessing and God's security apart from external things. There's a storm that's coming. The question is, are you going to be secure? Jesus 
says, whoever one who comes to me, hears my words, and does them. There is blessing for you, and there is security for you when you hear and obey. And here's what I want you to know. And this is going to be hard for some of you to believe, but God is not playing games with you. God is speaking. God is speaking. This morning, God is speaking to you. God is a God who speaks. He's not saying if you hear and obey and I'm not going to say anything, that would be cruel. What kind of a God would do that? You, God is speaking all the time. He speaks through his word. You open up the Bible and you read it, and you, when you crack that open, you say, God, would you just speak to me through this, through this, this word that I'm going to read today? God will speak to you. God speaks through the word. God speaks through the Holy Spirit. You have the Holy Spirit living in you. He will speak to you. God is speaking through the people. God is speaking through your circumstances. God is always speaking. The question is, are you hearing God speak? One of the things I fascinating in the ancient world the, the hebrew world there there was one word for hear and obey so we, we a lot of us know the this thing called the shema right so deuteronomy 6 4 and 5 says hear o israel that word hear is one word it's shema the lord is good the lord is one you shall love the lord your god with all of your heart all of your soul and all of your might that word hear in the ancient culture there was no pulling apart, hearing and obeying. Basically, what they believed is if you heard something or if you weren't doing it, they would say, well, then you never heard it. You obviously didn't hear it because you weren't doing it. And, you know, this seems odd to us talking about it, but we all understand it if we're parents. Because everyone said to their kid at one time or another, did you hear me? Like, why do we say that? Because they're still sitting on the couch, not doing whatever it is you told them to do. So you're, though, though it's kind of a silly question, they would say, yeah, I heard you. Well, no, you didn't. Because I asked you to get up and go do that. So we automatically have this kind of intuitively, we've already combined hearing and obeying together. When we ask our kids, did you hear me? We're really saying, did you really hear me? Are you going to put what I said into play? So there's this, this weaving them together that, that we got to hold on to, that it's not enough just to hear God. we got to do the very things that God is calling us to do. And here's the hard part. If we are honest with ourselves, if we are really willing to be honest with ourselves, we'll realize that there are areas of our lives where that we are not following through with what God has already told us to do. And the truth is, we're in good company. If you read through the Bible, there is person after person, people after people, who this is their story. They heard what God wanted them to do, but they didn't do it. Whether it's King David, Solomon, we just finished a series on Jonah, clearly not a good example of hear and obey. Right? Over and over. You think about it. The, the Apostle Paul would fit in. He says, I, I know what I'm supposed to do, and I don't do it. Peter, at one point in another, there's times when we all fall in this. And one of the best examples I, I, I can give you, because it gets to this whole thing. Remember, Jesus says, blessed are you when you hear and obey. So if we disobey, we miss out on the blessing that God has for us. Right? We miss what God actually has. So think about the, the Israelites. They had been enslaved for hundreds of years. God shows up in a miraculous way through these plagues, right? You see the story, the plagues come, and, and the Egyptians are, are so distraught through the, the series of plagues that they release the Israelites, right? You're no longer slaves. Go. We, we 
leave our, our faith. But as soon as they get away, they, they change their mind. And so they amass an army and they come and they're going to take them back and bring them slaves. And you guys remember some of the story? They're crossing the Red Sea. The single largest army of that day in the world is utterly destroyed in one moment when the sea collapses in and the Egyptian army is wiped out and the Israelites are free people, right? And they go into the desert and they travel through the desert and God does these miraculous things. Remember, water comes out of a rock. Pretty big deal. Not an everyday experience. Bread just shows up in the morning and manna. Pretty big deal. God's saying, I love you. I, I care for you. I want to bless you. And he takes them through the desert to this place. You remember the place? It's called the promised land. Or some scriptures call it the land of blessing. But what happens? They send in the spies. And the spies go in. And, and then the spies come back. And the spies say, we can't do it. We're afraid. And they instill fear into the people. Here's what I want you to know. So often, we do not do what God is calling us to do because we give in to fear. But the scriptures say, I haven't given you a spirit of fear. I've given you a spirit of power and a sound mind to do what I've called you to do. And so what happened to the people? They died in the desert. A whole generation died in the desert because they didn't do what God called them to do. They didn't hear and obey, and they missed the blessing of God. They miss all that God has for it. If you actually go back and you read that, God says, if you take the land and you live the way I tell you to live, I'm going to pour out my blessing on you and the, the land is going to produce for you. It's going to be this amazing land. To hear and obey is to receive the blessing that God has for you. We're going to do things a little bit different today as we close up the service. John's going to come up. While he's coming, I just want to share a few more things. And we're going to practice some hear and obey. So hear and obey, it's not just about sin management. It's easy to hear that this morning. And maybe that's what God's already laid on your heart. Maybe there's a behavior that, that God is just saying, look, I don't want you to do that anymore. But I want you to see it in a bigger picture. Hear and obey is about doing what God called you to do. Hear and obey is about being who God called you to be. It's so much bigger than that. And it's, it's an invitation to receive the blessing of God. You are invited into something more spectacular than you can even ask, think, or imagine. And it comes when you're willing to hear and obey. I have a good friend, and God has asked her to write, to put her, her, her literary skills and her talents into play, to be a writer. And she says, but what if it's not good enough? What if it's irrelevant? People don't want to read what you write. I can tell you she's missing the invitation to write. Because God says, I want you to write. And God says, if you'll write, I will bless you. It doesn't matter if anybody ever reads it. If you're doing the thing I've called you to do, then do it because I'm going to bless you because I've called you to do it. I talked to a friend this weekend. They said, God is calling me be still. As a matter of fact, he's been calling me so long to be still, I tattooed it on my wrist. True story. I tattooed be still on my wrist, and I still can't be still. Because if I'm not doing it, nobody will. If I'm not getting it done, it just doesn't get done. And when I'm still, I don't always like the voice that I hear, so I stay busy. So missing of God. I want 
question. And when we hear and obey, it's kind of an opportunity to pour out a blessing on us and create a greater sense of security in who we are. So here's what we're going to do. We're going to sing. John wrote a song, um, shared it with us a couple months ago, but we were singing it again this weekend, um, last weekend. I just, I love the song. Um, But we're going to sing the chorus. But I'm going to encourage you, each time we sing the chorus, sing with us, and sing it as a prayer. Sing it as a prayer. And then I'm going to ask you a question, and we're just going to let you sit with the question, because some of you, this could be painfully uncomfortable. Sorry. But it'll be good. And here's what happens. When we, when we seek the Lord like this, when we say, God, speak to me, God sometimes speaks with a word. Sometimes God speaks with a phrase. Sometimes God speaks with a picture. Some of you will literally see an image in your mind. You'll see yourself somewhere doing something. Pay attention to all of that. Pay attention to words. Pay attention to phrases. Pay attention to pictures. And just let the Lord speak to you as I ask the question. But we're going to start with a little bit of song. So let's sing. It's hard for you to believe that God is a good, good father, that God has good things in store for you. So you resist the things that God has, so you lack trust in God. So resist. Some of you, somewhere along the way, made a vow. You said, no one will ever tell me what to do. No one will ever run my that vow to God, and God is calling you to do something, to be something, and it's that vow that you made is getting in the way. No one will ever tell me what to do. 
some of you have felt the nudge to go do the Detroit church group. You think, well, here's the thing. I want to take a break. My wife can conceive and pray for me while I'm doing that. So take a minute and ask God, why, God, why am I waiting? And show me, show me.
share whatever it is that God put in your mind with your spouse, with your friends. God has shown you on this. In sharing it, you're going to create a preference of accountability. So your friend can say to you, how are you doing? Here's what I want you to know. That is a fear and obey statement. I am thus saith the Lord. You are to share this with somebody. God wants you to be in relationship with this person. So take a risk and share whatever it is that God laid on your heart to share. And lastly, 